My name is Chris Rich, and this is The 508 Show, the show about Worcester. I'm Mike Benedetti. Today is September the 25th, 2013. Once again, we're talking to challengers for the Worcester City Council. Today, Chris Rich, you're running for District 1 City Councilor. That's correct. Chris, what are you, how are you civically active now in Worcester? Well, uh, aside from the campaign, I've, I've always followed politics, especially Worcester politics. I've always found it very fascinating. I've always been uh, an advocate for Worcester, um, if not in action, definitely in spirit. And I believe the city's got a lot of potential, and um, I've, I've always, always watched closely what goes on in the city, and, uh-huh. and I've decided to get involved because I just feel like the city's just not quite moving in the right direction in a lot of different areas and I think I have a lot of skills that I can bring to the table I can make a difference in the city okay why 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 the city council I, I think there's so many ways that somebody can get involved with the city sure. and the city council seems like the one which is definitely one of the bigger contributions you can make but by far like the hardest way sure, to get sure. involved well you know that's a great question and I think I think th- this is a, a type of role that has potential for great impact Okay. And I certainly don't want to. I don't want to be careless with my time. Sure. And I think that the city council, having a seat in the city council, is a great way for me to take everything that I've learned over the years and take the passion that I have for the city, and really make the biggest difference. Okay. Um, you know, certainly there's a lot of great groups throughout the city that do a lot of good, and you know, I, I really encourage them to continue doing what they're doing. But I really just feel like the city council is just a good fit for me personally. Okay. Um, I think I have that professional skill set that's that's not represented in the city council well, coming from an IT background. Tell, tell me about those skills then. Sure. So uh, I got a degree in finance uh, uh-huh. from Villanova University. Uh, I've helped businesses large and small, some of them global in fact. And in the IT industry, I've done everything from you know working the help desk all the way up to managing people and departments, managing systems, interconnecting you know offices you know across different countries. I've helped big businesses solve business problems using technology, and it's been it's been a really great experience. And I think because I've had such a, an opportunity to work with technology, I think it gives me a unique perspective on addressing some of the challenges throughout the city. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just. A, a private sector kind of perspective that I think um, too often in, in the city council and in city affairs in general um, that gets missed. A lot of that activity you often think of, you know, say the 495 belt or the 128 belt. I want to take some of that and infuse uh, fuse some of that thinking and some of that action into the city. Okay. It's interesting that you mention like the background that you come from because I think I actually kind of buy this argument that a diverse background is good. And I think that, for example, on this current council, the last election we saw both George Russell and the incumbent in your district, Tony Economou, uh, who are coming in from real estate. And because this has been a time of foreclosures and all kinds of chaos around real estate and assessing houses and whatever, it's been interesting to have guys who have that kind of technical knowledge or at least sense of things on the council. They And you know, every time the subject comes up, they're always like, by the way, I'm from real estate. So they've been, you know, they sell that to a certain extent. But um, which, but that's just sort of, I think, brings me to the, uh, the district race. So. You know, you're running as a challenger. I think that if somebody, you know, who's living in District 1, where is District 1, by the way? What, how do you describe that? Uh, District? District 1 is really the, um, if you look at Worcester on a map, it looks like a diamond. And, and District 1 is mostly the top half of that diamond or the okay. top, say, maybe third of that diamond. It, it spans really, um, it splits uh, Salisbury Street in half. Okay. And then it's um, the Greendale neighborhood down Lincoln Street. But it does it does some interesting uh, side street cuts in and out oh, sure. in and around Indian Lake. So okay. um, it, it's, it's, it's a little interesting, but primarily I would say, you know, Tatnick, Salisbury is, is one area, and then the Burncoat neighborhood is would be probably the, the other area, and all the way down okay. to um, 
uh, Lincoln Street, Great Brook Valley area too. Okay. So anyway, this question that I'm trying to construct here in my half awake state, you know, is so, a big role of a city council, a big role of a city councilor is to be an advocate, is to be an ombudsman or whatever you want to call it for uh, the people in the district. So if somebody felt like, well, the, my incumbent in District 1 is doing a terrible job, I'm trying to get my sidewalk fixed and it's not getting fixed, I can understand why they would vote for the challenger. But for somebody who either doesn't have that experience of the incumbent or just doesn't know what's going on in the district, like, what have you been telling people? Like, why, why, why should somebody vote for you and not just say, you know what, the district hasn't fallen apart, Tony seems to be doing a good enough job. Right. So, I mean, that's an excellent question, it's, and it's one that I actually volunteer um, when I go and knock on doors and I talk to folks. You know... The city is, and, and it's not to say that, that streets and sidewalks aren't important, they certainly are, but I think the bigger issue is, you know, financially speaking, the city has a lot of challenges, and it, it's great that we, you know, we talk about things like, you know, schools and public safety and streets, but, you know, we have to find a way to pay for those things, and I'm really concerned that we have these, you know, these massive, you know, unfunded pension liabilities, for example, right. that that I feel like are a really you know, choking off the city, and, and it's a gorilla of a problem, and, and we only keep throwing, you know, really small solutions at the problem, right. and I come from a background where uh, I, I tackle huge challenges day in and day out. I innovate in order to, you know, overcome these challenges, uh-huh. and I think that, you know, I just have a lot more to offer people for their tax dollar, quite frankly, because I have that that background, and I'm a real quick study. Everything I've done uh, in my life professionally, uh, you know, I've had to learn, you know, in part, you know, as I'm on the job and, and having followed politics and, and looked at the way things get done, I definitely feel like as far as getting sidewalks and streets repaired, that to me seems like, you know, the, the fundamentals. And, right. and and if I felt like I didn't have the skills to deliver on just those basic things, I think I, I, I don't think I would have chosen to run. So I really look at those, those types of issues as, while they are very important, I think the city has much bigger issues. And one of my biggest complaints about the city in general, and I think one of the reasons why I have such a, a, a great passion for it, is it, we're a big city, second largest in New England, but we too often you know, think and act like a small town. And I think that gets us into trouble because you know we're we're focused on these you know maybe smaller issues. Um, and again, not to say that streets and sidewalks aren't important, but there are a lot of bigger issues. There's a lot of big opportunities that I think the city could start to capitalize on on a more formal basis. But we don't because I think what, uh, what I think, kind of opportunities are you talking? Well, about? you know, um, you know, we have the potential for some other industries in the city that I think that could really take off if we just if we just focus on them and we try and as a city council, as a city, you know, you know, build some framework around so that they can have a better chance of success because we really need to restore some of our tax base because we've been right. losing it year after year after year. And um, this is a college town. We need to leverage those college students more. We don't give them any reason really to come off campus and invest in the local economy. We don't do anything to help college students after they graduate to say, hey, stay in Worcester. You can have a future here. Mm-hmm. So I want to look at programs that we can institute so that, you know, we can do more of that. I think we do a lot of great stuff in the city, but we need to do them bigger. We need to do. We need to advertise them more. I was actually watching um, city council meeting last night after I got done knocking on doors, and um, you know, one of the city councilors said, "You know, we need to do some of these things bigger. Uh, we need to advertise more." Worcester does doesn't do a really great job at promoting itself because I work. You know, I work um, uh, towards Boston, and and I'll ask people without telling them where I'm from. I say, "You know, what do you think of Worcester?" And uh, it's interesting the reactions that they have. I mean, to summarize it, a lot of people say to me, "Well." in Worcester. Why would I go to Worcester? Right. That right there is a, is, a, is a clear indication to me that, that people within, say, a 30-mile radius don't know what Worcester has to offer. Now, I do, and a lot of people who live here do, because, you know, we know. We're mm-hmm. here. Um, but 
we're just so insulated in such a vacuum. I think we just really need to change the conversation about the city. We really need to change the dialogue so that we're we're, we're looking at moving things in a, in a more in a more positive direction, promoting the things that we do well. Um, I, I, again, I just think that there's all these all these things that we should be doing and, and we're not. And I really want to take the charge of that. And, and just to go back to your point about you know running for city council, you know I chose to go for a district seat as opposed to an at-large seat because quite frankly, you know I love my day job. It keeps me busy. Mm-hmm. And to to run a citywide you know at-large type seat, which I think. You know, some have said to me, well, it sounds like your ideas are really, you know, you know, bigger picture, you know, more city, right. not so much the district. I would say, you know, th- that is true, but I didn't feel like I would be successful running in an at-large situation, given the fact that my professional life does keep me quite busy. But I still want to contribute, and the district seat is the way that I felt like I'd be able to deliver the most value. Well, I want to drill down on a couple of things that you were talking about there. Um, we've been asking people basically the same handful of questions. Um, I want to talk about economic development first, and we've been sort of framing this economic development question, which is a big question, uh, around one specific situation, which is the Midtown Mall. And City Council for years now has talked about, well, we should just take that place by eminent domain. And this, for people who don't know, go downtown, this is a uh, pedestrian, indoor pedestrian mall that's downtown. It's very much a downscale place. It's very much a place that has like actual operating businesses, though, which is a little bit of contrast to a lot of downtown. So it's a bit of a weird situation. Do you, I mean, do you, do you support taking the Midtown Mall by eminent domain? Uh, in that situation, no, I don't. Okay. I think eminent domain is is a valuable tool, but it's a dangerous tool because of the because the, depending on the way in which it's used, it can it can work for you and against you. And I think oftentimes, too often, I think eminent domain is used excessively. I don't think taking Midtown Mall by eminent domain is the problem because. If we take it by eminent domain, well, now what? You know, we still have to find somebody to do something with it. Mm-hmm. So what I'd much rather do is work with the current owner of the building. Or, and if that, and if they're not willing to, you know, you know, come up with any new ideas on what to do with the space to attract and, and generate more business, then we look at the neighbors. We look at the surrounding areas because, you know, downtown there, you know, there, there's a business like Armsby Abbey, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, you know, that's a great establishment. You go in there; it's exciting. It's always busy. Yeah, it's just got a great vibe to it, and I'd like to see that spread farther down Main Street. And if it, if it has to start at one end and work its way down to the Midtown Mall, it will take time. But you know, I'd rather have organic things like that happen. But I think the City Council's responsibility is, you know, try and stay out of the way, but also at the same time, you know, draw attention to it, bring people, you know, into that area to say, look, you know, this your business could be here, mm-hmm. and look at this other business next door, or these other businesses next door, and I think that that would start a chain reaction. We really have to just. We really have to start from scratch downtown, I feel, mm. especially in and around City Hall because there's just nothing there. We have that, you know, amazing City Square project there. Where are the tenants? You know, what, you know, we should every day be talking to somebody, hey, would you, know, would you be interested in moving your business here? Look at, look at all the space that we have. Look at all this, you know, this new infrastructure that's getting built. Um, you know, those are the kinds of things that I'd like to see happen more often. Okay. I want to I ask you about economic development in general, because you were talking about we need to bring more business into the city, more jobs into the city. Mm-hmm. I think this is something everybody would agree about. And I think that, and every candidate we've talked to has said this, and I think everybody's frustrated by the situation, including maybe many of the current counselors. I'm interested to know what your thoughts are on this, and especially, like, how, would you, how you would contrast your approach with the kinds of things the council already has been doing on economic development. Well, you know, I think the big challenge in the city council is is that, you know, there's you know there's there's eleven different people, including the mayor, and I think that 
it's what's required is is some leadership to step up and say I have an idea it's not a perfect idea but I do need all the other counselors to buy into this idea openly publicly and say you know I like your idea counselor whoever you are and maybe it's counselor rich in, you know, in 2014 2015 let's let's put our support behind this that's let's as a as a body say you know these are the things that we're going to do and we're going to stick to that strategy we might change okay. our tactics as we go but you know i think that that's really what's what's missing and that's what i would like to do and, and what i do as a day job i don't have direct authority over individuals everything that i do professionally in, in my current role is to influence people to give them a reason to buy in to give them a reason to uh, you know, move forward on a particular project to inspire them, and I think that that's that's really you know what is missing is 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 more of that leadership. Look, it, I have an idea. Let's unite together. Let's move forward because I think the people in the city of Worcester, you know, are, are are continually frustrated because they don't see a lot of working together on more of the bigger issues. I think it's okay. really easy to work together on you know some of the smaller issues, um, you know, but the bigger stuff, you know, where is that you know where is that speaking out of? I believe in this. This is why I believe in this. I would stand in front of any constituent and say, this is why I believe this. I'm also willing to hear what their input is. I ask people all the time when I go on knocking doors, you know, what would you do? You know, you yeah. tell me. You know, it's real easy to point out a problem, but it's another thing to, to, to come up with a solution or two. Because that's the way it works in the private sector. You mm -hmm. don't go to your, if I went to my boss and said, I have a problem, you know, fix it. You know, that, that doesn't fly. That, that, that gets me out the door. You got to come with solutions, and that's why I, you know, I challenge the people that I talk to that point out problems. I ask them for, you know, what they would do, and you'd be really interested at what some of the answers are. And I've definitely incorporated that into my thinking and in my conversations as I go out there and knock on doors. Have you been learning stuff during this campaign? Oh, absolutely. I, I've I've learned, I've learned uh, lots of history about the city. Mm -hmm. I, I've learned, um, I, I've learned, you know, the history behind issues throughout the city. Uh, I was talking to, um, you know, to one. Uh, uh, to one constituent up on Indian Hill, uh, who gave me this, you know, this this great history behind Norton Company and how they came here, and how um, you know they were going to, you know, expand the expand the uh, manufacturing there, but you know the the you know the the tax rates became an issue, and they decided to locate it in Northboro. Um, you know, I've learned I I've knocked on uh, doors of people. Uh, who you know served in the city council in the past and didn't realize you know who they were had great conversations with them about um, you know the different changes in the political structure uh, learned about influencers in different neighborhoods uh, different issues um, you know uh, all kinds of things and different perspectives too about you know how people feel about things I'll ask them you know what did you think about the slots what did you think about um, you know our taxes going up what did you think about the reassessments what do you think about you know uh, you know our senior citizen population um, who continually get you know you know hit the hardest when taxes go up mm -hmm. um, and it's just really interesting to get people's perspectives on things I don't always agree with all of them um, and, but it's but it's this great dialogue uh, either way um, I want to ask you do the children in your life want to live in Worcester when they grow up I sure hope so, and and my my goal, really yeah okay I, yeah I sure hope so. I mean they're still a little young. I think um, you know I, I think it, I don't think they really quite have that maturity and context to really say oh I'd like to live here. I mean one of the mm -hmm. one of the best things that I did was I, I left Worcester. Okay. I left Worcester for a few years, and and that was a great experience. And I came back um, because I just I just believed in Worcester. There was something calling me back to Worcester. Some something I wanted to, to give back to Worcester because hmm. I just 
it just has such a great place in my heart. And um, where, where were you, where were you living in those intervening intervening years? Well, I went when I went to college. I lived in Philadelphia. Okay. And uh, and that was a great experience. It gave me an opportunity to see to see how cities operate uh, other than Worcester. Yeah. Because all I knew before I you know before I left the city was you know how Worcester did things, and you know maybe a little bit in Boston, but. I didn't know Boston really well, whereas when I was in Philadelphia, I got a chance to, to really get to know the city. Yeah. Um, I didn't, you know, I spent, you know, obviously some time out in campus, which is 12 miles west of Philadelphia, but there was a train route. Uh, you know, friends and I would take the train into the city often. You know, there was all kinds of events. There was all kinds of things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was interesting to see, you know, just how the city operated, how, you know, what the pulse of the city was. And I, I think, um, you know, I think a, a lot of that perspective... And also, too, traveling for work, I've had a chance to see, um, you know, some other cities across the country. Like I was, um, you know, I was, you know, recently in Minneapolis for, uh, you know, for just an overnight. And uh, it was just incredible what they've done in that city. Because I had been there in, uh, I think, the the mid to late 90s Hmm. when I was working with another company. And I got to see it sort of like in a before and after state. Right. Uh, And it was really interesting. It was inspiring because I look at at another city. Uh, and I think that's another thing too. Is you, you got to look outside. You know, there's a lot of great things that are going on throughout the, you know, throughout the country. And one of the things I'd like to do is institute a, a, a free municipal Wi-Fi system okay. uh, in the downtown area. And um, you know, and that's been done in in many other places. Um, right. and, and I think that that has a, a lot of potential to attract you know some some positive attention to Worcester. I think it would be great for the citizens. But it's great to see how other municipalities deal with their challenges. And I don't think we necessarily have to rebuild the wheel. I think we need to say, hey, look, look at what's going on in Kalamazoo, Michigan. You know, look what's going on in, uh, you know, Honolulu, Hawaii. You know, let's look at, you know, what's working in other places. We don't have to necessarily come up with all the bright ideas, but let's look and see what else is out there. Yeah. You know, Um, and I don't think that that's done often enough. I mean, you know, when in doubt, Google it out, right? Isn't that the way the expression goes? (laughs) I like that. I like that. Um, I want to ask you about uh, uh, regulation also. and we've been talking about the you know the, the chicken ordinance in Worcester, um, which I think I still don't really fully understand this. But I, you know, the way it basically went is the people in Worcester wanted to raise chickens. The city council said uh, after a lot of debate, okay, fine, you can raise chickens. And then they said, well, but we don't actually want to hire somebody to deal with, like being the inspector for that. So now a lot of people in the city have chickens, but you know, it's just a little bit on the down low. Um, do you, I, I just want to ask you, like, do you feel like? I don't know. Like, what 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 thoughts does this provoke vis-a-vis regulation? So, my feeling on the matter is, and in, in, in matters in general is, um, you know, what you decide to do on your own property is your business. Okay. Um, but uh, when when your business starts to affect other people's business, you know, I think of chickens. I think of you know the noise, maybe a, a, a strong smell, depending on how well you know right. the um, you know their enclosures are kept. I think once you start impacting your neighbors, I think that's when it becomes an issue. And I think, you know, for the most part, you know, when people do things on their own property um, and, and they're not disturbing somebody else, I think that that's fine. I think but what, what the responsibility is, you know, if, if that's what you decide to do, mm-hmm. you need to be responsible for that. You know, if the city has to get involved, you know, if, if we have to, you know, come up with ordinances and laws to control that, you know, that's when it falls apart. And I really have to say, you know, Anybody who wants to do that, just be responsible, and you won't have a problem. And in general, that's just the way most things work. Hmm. And that's the way I think, too, is I'd rather, I'd rather have conversations with people and say, look, you know, this is the issue that's, that, that's coming to us, coming to me, and, and it needs to get addressed within a reasonable period of time. Hmm. Um, 
and start that route first before we start talking about ordinances. Okay. Um, I think that's I think that's the better approach to take. Now, earlier you mentioned the, uh, the city's issue with unfunded pension liabilities, and uh, you know generally the question of is the city as a city government economically sustainable. I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that, and and again, especially like how you would contrast your approach to those issues with the way it's currently being done. So. I, I don't think that the, it is financially sustainable long term. Right. Um, I think, I think, I, I, well, I'm concerned 10 to 15 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that this is going to be an issue, you know, in the near future. Um, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do something about it right now. I, I really think it's, it's vital. It, it's not a, it's not a, gee, wouldn't it be nice if we started chipping away at this? I think it's vital. I think any, any business that might potentially want to come to the city is going to look at that and go, you know, I, I see that as a risk. I see that as an uncertainty that as a business owner uh, or even potentially as an entrepreneur, I see that as a risk to my ability to uh, support a livelihood or, or, to, or to run a successful business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we need to, you know, we got to do two things simultaneously. We got to raise more revenue. We got to, you know, rebuild that tax base. Uh-huh. And um, we have to reduce costs. It's just all there is to it, or else the alternative is taxes keep going up, fees keep going up. You know, we got those, um, in my neighborhood, we got these, um, you know, recycling bags, um, these clear recycling bags that your bottles and your cans and, um, you know, those recyclable items, not paper, you know, would go into. And at first uh-huh. I thought, oh, wow, look at this. Wow, you know, this is this is really great. You know, Worcester, you know, doing more in terms of, you know, recycling and being more of a green city. I thought it was really great. And then, like maybe two days later, maybe I think it was maybe even a week later, I looked at those bags and I go, "Wait a minute, I have another kind of bag in my in my house, and they're yellow, mm-hmm. and I have to pay for those." Right. And then I started to wonder, hmm, am I going to have to start paying for these clear recycling bags as well? Um, you know, it, it's that kind of thing that the city is, you know, and that might not be a great example of that, but but that's the kind of thing that like. You know, we're going to be paying more and more and more because we're not able to tackle these, you know, this this bigger issue. And we've taken some steps for towards it as a city, but but they're 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 too small. You know, if if you look at well, what I mean, what are, what are some big steps as far as raising <coughs> revenue and some big steps as far as cutting costs? Um, cutting costs, you know, uh, cutting costs or raising revenue. I I don't think it's necessarily. There's not one you know giant fix on either side. It's going to be a lot of smaller issues. Uh, a lot of smaller things. I think we need to look at the budget top to bottom and to see exactly where our money goes. Okay. You know, I want to make sure the public safety is maintained. I want to make sure that the school system's funding is maintained. That's 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 really vital to the city. Um, but you know, there are other areas that we really have to look at, or else the alternative is taxes go up. And then on, on the revenue generating side, you know, uh, a, a lot of people when I talk about you know the college students, a lot of people say, well, you know. You know these colleges and universities. Um, it's great what they do with these properties, but they're taking these. You know, a lot of these properties off the tax rolls. They're, right. they're denying us the ability to bring in a, a business. Um, you know that will generate some tax revenue. A lot of people, you know, like to talk about you know an expanded pilot program like they have in Boston. They have a whole task force that goes uh-huh. to colleges, universities, as well as nonprofit organizations. Um, you know, I think a lot of people say, you know, they look at the colleges and universities and it's getting more and more frustrating because, you know, they know that they charge, you know, they charge their customers, you know, you know, 30, 40, 50, sometimes, you know, more than $55,000 a year for their customers over the course of four years. Right. And, 
you know, and then they leave, and then they you know, they pay for a lot of things in cash. They have you know massive amounts of cash lying around, and and even though the IRS may classify them as a nonprofit organization, a lot of people say, well, wait a minute, you know, they're, they they appear to be you know pretty well flush with cash. I mean, right. you know, how come? They're not on a more on a more regular basis contributing to the city, and I know that the city manager has been instructed to go around and ask. And some and some universities have contributed, right. which is great. But but I have to say, like it feels like Pilot so far has been like some really fairly trivial contributions from the colleges, and that the colleges are getting like really sweet like expedited whatever expedited zoning is not the right word, but like some like some really sweet things as far as like. Clark wants to take over Downing Street, and it just happens really nicely. WPI wants to do this and that with their land. It just happens really nicely in exchange for, like, a couple hundred thousand dollars here, a couple hundred thousand dollars there, which in the con... I mean, you know, if there's a hundred thousand dollars laying on the ground, we would certainly pick it up. Sure. But, like, in the context of the city of Worcester budget, this just seems... I mean, this I mean, this doesn't seem like a big impact well, program so far. No, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think the city... I think the city looks at a college or university saying, I would like to develop this area over here. I'd like to, you know, block the street off like in the case of Clark. I want to, you know, cut off this street here. I want to, you know, buy this these properties and, and put something and put a dormitory there or whatever. Um, the city of Worcester, um, you know, looks at that as, oh, great. Here's another s- stretch of street that we don't have to maintain anymore We or we don't have to uh, worry about, you know, the housings falling in, houses falling into right. disrepair. Right. Um, it makes the city look better. Um, you know, it makes sure that we have a good relationship with the college or university. So let's, you know, let's let's allow them to go forward with these projects because, right. you know, the, it, it improves the look and feel of the city overall, which is great. I'm not denying that. And I certainly don't want to, you know, have any kind of adversarial relationship with colleges and universities. But, you know, a, a significant portion of our population, you know, are college students, you know, which, you know, are on mostly on these campuses. And I I really would like to see them do more, and they do a lot. And I'm not saying that they don't, but I would like to see them. Really, would like to see them do more. I can appreciate that. I want to ask you now a couple of the really important questions. What's the most push-ups that you've ever done? Uh, I would say it's about 55. That's a lot of push. I mean, that's uh, that's more push-ups than I can do. I guess not a lot in the big in the big picture. Are you like an athletic guy? Do you do sports and yeah, stuff? Yeah, in general. Yeah, I um I, I like to run. I, I I worked at a bike shop in Worcester for eight years. And, uh, what bike shop? Fritz's bike shop. Okay. On West Boylston Street. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it was in the neighborhood. Uh-huh. This is where I, which is where I live now, which is where I grew up. Um, born and raised in District One. Uh-huh. Um, I, uh huh. I, I rock wall climb. It was a sport that I um, got got into in the last few years because um, uh, my kids do it. Uh-huh. My, uh huh. My oldest daughter climbs competitively. Oh really? So um, I go to the Central Rock Gym. Plug for Central Rock. Sure. sure. Great place. Um, uh, up in the Burncoat neighborhood, right uh, right down the street from uh, Higgins Armory, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, in general, I like to stay. You know, I like to stay fit. I like to take care of myself. Um, you know, of course, you know, I fall off the, the exercise bandwagon from time <laughs> to time. But uh, sure. yeah, I've run in a lot of the local races. <laughs> um, I always do the. Um, I've done the J Lions uh, 5K many years. I've done the Firefighter 6K. I have to ask you, what's your what's your 5K time? Uh, my best 5K time was. Uh, I think it was 22:40. Okay. Um, I came in. Uh, I came in. I think I don't know, like maybe 20th in my age division. Uh huh. Pretty proud of that. The other question I want to ask. This is a question that Brendan was really interested to talk about, which is, what do you carry with you on a daily basis? Um, on my person, it's just wallet keys and, and my phone. Okay. Um, 
Uh, but I, you know, we were talking, you know, before we started here, and uh, we talked about other things. I definitely like to uh, Boy Scout at heart. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have, you know, in my car or near me, I always have a a pocket knife. What kind of uh, knife? Sorry. What kind of knife? Um, it's just a um, like a, a three inch folding knife. Okay. Um, you know, with some serration to it. I have um, I have a, 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 a flint and steel. Um, okay. And I got it really cheap at an Army Navy store, and I thought, gee, that would be nice to have on me. Um, a flashlight, uh, uh-huh. a small compact LED flashlight. Um, I always make sure I have water in my car. Um, you know, I got stuck in uh, I, I got stuck in some bad snow coming home from work once, yeah. and uh, I was stranded in my car for a, a few hours. So it was uh, nice to have some supplies. I always have like a uh, an energy bar or granola bar on sure. hand. So um, I like to be prepared. You know, at, at home I like to make sure there's always you know water. I have a generator because we got hit really hard with the ice storm a few years yeah, back. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that the city is um, uh, advertising this you know preparedness. I think it's really important that people, you know, think about these things in advance because, you know, bad weather and, and bad conditions can sneak up on us at any time. And, you know, nationally, I think it's 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 no it's no mystery that, you know, we have a, an aging infrastructure in terms of, um, you know, utilities. Right. You know, we still have a lot of wires that are above ground. Um, you know, in my neighborhood up in the Burncote area, especially, um, you know, uh, you know, with that ice storm, we were hit, we were hit pretty hard because a lot of tree limbs came down and took you know, poles and, mm-hmm. and, and things with us. And, and when, you know, when you're out of power for five days, uh, it, it gives you a different perspective on life. Uh, it, it sure does. we got to cut you off because we're running out of sure. time. But Chris Rich, District 1, Challenger, thanks for being on the show. This is Mike Benedetti. You can email us at pieandcoffee at gmail.com if you have any complaints. Otherwise, we'll see you next week, Lister. Bye-bye.